This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Toffee TV podcast. I am joined this week by Baz, who just happens to be here. We have got Cam from the Mighty Blues and the new In Reserve. Easy for you to say. Easy for me to say. Show on Toffee TV. And we've got Paul, who does our Sunday supplement show and also from the Irish Football Fan TV Network. Taking over Ireland. He goes, oh, gets to go to all the Ireland games. Fair play. Bit of a punishment, I know. But... Um, so, lads, thanks for joining us. Let's get straight in and let's talk about Operation Big Picture, or whatever it's called. Project Big Picture. Project Big Picture. Uh, it seems like Operation Big Picture. It does seem like... It seems like Operation Let's Rob the League, conducted by Liverpool and Manchester United. Those two teams trying to uh, take over and... Uh, Start their own, their own league, basically. So, Baz, what are you? What, what are, what are you, We've had a little chat about this, but what are you? What are your thoughts on this as it's moved along? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously developed over a few days. I, I thought it'd just be battered away quite quickly and easily, mm-hmm. um, and it's still, it's still in the conversation. It's being pushed by Gary Neville, who is an owner of a. EFL club and as a Manchester United fan, so mm. therefore he's a big backer of it. Um, I, I think it's a disgrace, to be honest, an absolute disgrace. I get that. I get that. There's a there's a conversation needed in terms of trying to protect the EFL, and I'm a believer in trying to protect the EFL. To be honest, I know that. I've seen a lot of people saying, "Well, hang on, in why other industries don't have to bail out people in the same industry," but we're all. We're all part of this football pyramid. We were all brought up with this pyramid. Now the Premier League, back in early nineties, made a you know first, first division clubs made a break into a Premier League, backed by Sky essentially because they come in and took it on, and they did they did sex it up and make the make it the place to be, and it was more money in it and everything else, and the clubs have benefited hugely from it, albeit at the to the detriment of the football league as it's happened, because obviously the gaps got wider and wider. So we're, we're in a situation where COVID's arrived and clubs are already finding it difficult. I've now been hit again with COVID, as most of us have, and, and the implications of that, financial implications of not having 
people through the turnstile. So I get that there's a lot of clubs worried. We see Macclesfield Town ground up for sale. Now I know Robbie Savage is trying to buy that and get involved there, but that's a they bought it, haven't they? they bought saved it. it. Exactly. But they were, you know, people some of them go and we've mm. seen Berry get, you know, the for under the EFL guidelines that someone allowed to come in and run that team out the league essentially, Wigan. Mm. So we've seen worrying times already in the EFL. So I do understand that there is a need, or I believe that there is a need to protect those clubs because I think it's in this country, football's a huge thing. And so every community deserves their football team. Yeah. And I think if we can as a collective, we should try to protect them. That's the good side. But I think that can be done anyway. I think that can be done without this new project, big picture. The, the negative side of the big picture thing is that they want to reduce the teams to 18. I know me and you slightly disagree mm -hmm. on that. But they want to reduce the teams to 18 in the Premier League, something I don't believe is needed. But they want to do that. They want nine teams to have all the power, essentially. Now, our team's in that. Everton are in that collective nine. Sort of. Sort of. Mm -hmm. But within that nine, then there's apparently you'd only need six votes. To, yeah. So if there's, if there's 18 teams or if there's 20 teams in that top division, how can six overrule 14? It's absolutely bizarre. And if you do that and give them the power, to me, it makes no sense. And all you're doing is you, you're creating an even bigger divide and a bigger divide till you just have a situation where essentially only the top six matter, nobody else does. Uh, Paul, I mean, what have, you, what have you made of it, mate? Yeah, it's, it's a bit mad when I, when I heard about it. I was just thinking to myself, like, how are they going to be able to do that when there's nine clubs, you've got six that can vote yes, which so there's no equality in that. You know, if it was 10 or something, then you might have five each, at least being able to equally vote for and against. But as well as that, yeah, I mean, for the rest of the league, you're looking around the fact that they're going to reduce it as well. I wouldn't be a fan of that. I'm not really a fan of the whole idea in the first place. And the fact that the FA said that they were going to block it, I, I'm happy to hear that. But as you mentioned already, Baz, with Gary Neville and the fact that, you know, he's obviously involved with Salford and, that, and stuff like that. So he's obviously going to be on that bandwagon for it, obviously with his Man United connections and stuff like that. But it's another case of the bigger clubs trying to hold the power against other teams. And, and we see it all the time. There's always a narrative on the TV with, you know, the bigger teams. And, and I find it with VAR as well. It's always favouring the bigger teams. And I know you have touched on that before in previous videos and stuff where, you know, you'd be looking at some games and even with VAR, you know, decisions that are ridiculous would be going, but just because it seems to be a team that are up near the top with the power. And then you're looking at the teams in the, in the lower leagues who I kind of feel sorry for because obviously we have over here in Ireland, we have the League of Ireland clubs and they thrive off having fans in and, and everything like that and they're struggling. So I kind of see that, that their point of view. But, you know, it's just, it's it's kind of creating a, a massive mountain for, for others to try and get to and they're never going to get to it because it was just a cut-off point then and you'll only get to so far. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of it at all, to be honest. <clears throat> My personal point of view is I've always said about the collective. That's what the Premier League's been built on. It's the collective. It's what kept it competitive. It's what's kept it honest. It's the one vote, one you know, per club. That's what's kept it honest for the whole time. That's what stopped whatever big club has been at the top at the time. And don't forget, that's also been in flux. 
Man City weighing always at the top. Tottenham weighing always at the top. Chelsea weighing always at the top. Um, it's it's moved around, and to say for this one moment, a particular nine, which I feel like three are just being shut shoehorned in there just to make it comfier for the top six, is it's a disgusting act of, and what 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 I feel is worse than that because I understand greed, I get greed. I get why you would have the need for greed because you're in a position of power and you want to keep power. What I don't understand is the EFL clubs. I do not understand how they have completely given up on football because all they're saying is we are happy to survive but not compete. And that to me is disgusting. That goes against football. That goes against the idea of Wimbledon, Bournemouth, Swansea, who moved up the leagues and got into the Premier League. The EFL teams must take partial blame for where they are. Mm-hmm. I know they can talk about COVID situation and I know they can talk about how the top teams take all the money, but they don't make it easy for themselves. Stupid. Gary Neville's talking about it. The sh- wages... Sulfur give out to some of their no-mark players. Mm. It's ridiculous. Swapping managers who haven't been beaten for months and months and months. They have got to take some blame in this. Piss poor, you know, running of their own club. Seen it with Sunderland, didn't you? You mentioned there about Bolton. The money Bolton have pissed up the wall. The money Sunderland are currently throwing away by chasing something that is unrealistic. Get a wage cap in, and start living in your you know within, within means, what you yeah. within your means, and the Premier League should give money to those clubs. There should be more money going down, but stop wasting that money, and also stop asking for silly prices for players, mm. and and get a conveyor belt like we used to have, where like clubs like Crew would sell a player every couple of years, and they would go into the Premier League. The other side of it is that maybe Premier League clubs need to start, go get away from this thing of stealing players from uh, EFL clubs when they're young as well, and, and so those players can go into the into the Premier League or the Championship for a fee that is deserved, basically. And, and it's just greed. It's just greed. At the end of the day, it's just a power grab, and all it is is so that the, those six Premier League clubs can jet set round the world every summer and compete in something that resembles a legitimate tournament without it being this the ICC thing. Because that's essentially that's all they want. They want that to be legitimate. It's money, isn't it? Go round, sell shirts and create their own travelling Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, I, I, the other thing as well is, is I think the thing that makes it even more despicable just before we move on is the fact that Liverpool and United threaten to resign, and yeah. that's a real thing. Threaten go. to resign. So for me, I would—I don't know what the lads feel, but I would be absolutely dancing if Liverpool walked Let away from go. this Let league. I would never ever miss never playing them again. It wouldn't bother me in the slightest. But they won't because they'd be terrified that if the league they were trying to walk into didn't go well, they'd have to come back capping on. Right, it is. The end of the international mm. uh, break. I think three of the four of us aren't really bothered. But Paul, 
who's obviously channel in Ireland not only covers all of the teams but obviously covers the international games he get he gets to go to all the international games which is amazing good um Paul let me just ask you this obviously disappointing couple of weeks for Ireland got knocked out in the um the playoff semi-final for the Euros do you do, do you think that there's any place for European games at international games at the moment everything that's going on or or were you quite happy to see you know Ireland playing and it'd be a little bit of a distraction um, no, well not at the moment obviously because the way Everton had started the season I, I want that to just continue because the form we were in was brilliant but obviously this playoff that we played was pushed back from March because Covid then so it's been pushed back so it was um, you know postponed so it was actually in between Nations League games as well so it was a kind of unwelcome distraction with a couple of players out, obviously Seamus and stuff like that. So it was not that, but it, because of COVID, I didn't really want to go ahead. And there was a lot of problems within the Irish camp. There was a player tested positive. Two players missed the game. Adam Eda and Aaron Connolly uh, missed the game and shouldn't have missed the game against Slovakia. Two of their players, uh, Skrinriar and um, Lebocca, they for Napoli and Inter, both missed for Slovakia which was two of their best players. Um, and then, yeah, there was players tested positive, and then it was a false positive, came back, and then it was a positive again. So it was just, we played Wales on Sunday, the game I was at in the Aviva, and we were we were without five players because some players were close contacts of the players as well. Um, so it's just an absolute disaster. Like what happened was one of the communications media team were on the plane and sat point three of uh, a meter too close to Adamida and Connolly and that's why they missed so it's it's an absolute shambles how it's all happening and obviously then they missed the players against Wales there was five six players missing um that would probably play the game and yeah it's just a bit of a bit mad bit of madness and now we're going into a game tonight and we're missing a few players as well again and to be honest I would have liked to see the games just completely done with till maybe the new year bring in in March or something like that or or, or some way of kind of the, the way they did it with the Project Restart where they kind of brought in a couple of games and you could play them in succession so you may have four, four or five games that might kind of spread out the Premier League season I'm not sure but it would maybe give the players a little bit of a, or maybe an international break like they had before but I, I'm yeah it's it's frustrating obviously Ireland are out now at the Euros or, or even trying to play in the Euros which would have been in Dublin in June so there's no chance of that happening now. That's gone. That's that's a distant memory now. But um, yeah, I suppose you're probably happy that players are going to be back, you know, this weekend. But in terms of the international stuff, it's it's been very disappointing because players are missing out and stuff like that. I think it should have been scrapped till the new year, to be honest. The biggest surprise for me is that Connolly didn't dive out the way. <laughs> I mean, he normally throws himself all over the gaff, so I'm amazed that he hasn't dived there. Now, nah, Paul, I just think for me, from my perspective, I think it all should have been scrapped until the new year. Give it, let's, the, the players flying all around the world, it doesn't make any sense to me at the moment. The world's in chaos yeah. with, with a contagious disease. And if you're missing things because someone's sat a little bit closer than they should have been, and then them players can't play in a qualifying um, for the finals. 
and therefore your team isn't mm. at the strongest. What it's well, Scotland lost. It's rigged anyway. Three of they have four players, but three of them I don't think had it. They were just too close to the player who who did have it. And and Paul's absolutely right there because Ireland have been weakened out of sort of no fault of their own and it, it just just absolutely mad um, Cam just just on the internationals obviously we've seen Dominic Carvalhoon playing for England just on the internationals I think it's ridiculous it's utterly ridiculous and it's utterly unnecessary that they took place and it's not just the European you know the Euro 2022 and the Nations League fixes it's the friendlies as well like you're putting players at risk for no reason whatsoever. We saw Cristiano Ronaldo tested positive. Um, now uh, I think he played. They played France, um, and Luca Dean wasn't involved, but could have been involved, and then that could have impacted Everton Football Club. You know, it would have only taken one England player to have, you know, uh, tested positive, and Dominic Calvert Luna to be impacted. And, and all of a sudden, you know, at the moment, obviously England and there's still international games tonight. At the moment. You know, other than the situation with Yeri Mina, um, we seem okay. You know, Richarlison played 90 minutes, scored, done well, no injuries. Same with Hammers. But that could have been vastly different. Richarlison could have picked up, uh, you know, if uh, uh, one of his teammates could have picked up a positive test and he could have been impacted. And we could have been going into the Merseyside derby, seven wins out of seven in fantastic form with four or five key players out because of the international break, which is coming at unnecessary time. Um, so, yeah, I... I as proud as I am of the players, certainly Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I just don't think it was necessary. I think they could have left it until at least within a more stable situation. Yeah, we were talking about it last week because the Corey was called up for Mali and they were playing in Turkey and on the, and on the same day, Turkey went on the band list for travelling and we were just sitting here and we were just like, how can this be going on? How can there be games in countries where we're not even allowed to go to? You know, there's, there's been players who've flown to Africa, I think, can't remember which country, but one of them is. I think they've got five or six positive tests because of it. Because of it. Now imagine if that one of those players was was one of yours. I mean, I wish it was Sadio Mane or or Salah, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately it's not. But Paul, just going back to you, Dominic Carvalhoon playing for England. I mean, you know, we just did Cam there go full gammon on us. Um, <laughs> what what are your thoughts being being an Irish obviously being an Irish fan being a passion passionate Irish fan when you see someone like Don play for England does that fill you with that kind of pride or are you just like clearly another player who's been robbed off Ireland no do, do you do you see that as like good for the club or are you someone who goes I really wish he wasn't because it's not Ireland and it's because it's England uh, but I, I like to see our players getting. You know, playing at the highest level internationally for whoever. So when they like, I, I did like when Baines and Barkley played for England. Uh, I would watch them. I hope that they would do well individually, not necessarily the English team, but our lads. I'd always want to see our lads doing well. I would never want to see England win a game, obviously, but um, I would like to see. Like I was happy to see Dom got got his goal. Um, what's that? <laughs> yeah, but I was I was happy to see Dom get his goal. I I do like seeing all our players doing well at the highest level that they can. Um, as long as it's not impacted them get the transfer elsewhere, then uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, and I know me and Baz we both stayed up. Not not in like a Morecambe and Wise kind of any you know sort mm. of way to watch uh, Colombia and a bit of Brazil last night and just making sure those players like glad they were doing well, but at the same time just like don't get injured. Don't get it. I was literally just counting the minutes. Down. I know. That's another couple of minutes. Silly near the end of the game. Just it, horrible. It was, um, yeah. It was, 
and it's great that you're watching them play and they're representing you and everything, but you just want them back. And when Yeri Mina wasn't on the bench and wasn't playing, and it was like, oh, he's had a little, you know, precaution. We, um, you know, staying out the way sort of thing. Was, it just like, brings it home to you. You just look and go, oh my god, imagine him and him. Yeah. You can't. You can't think. I was just trying to force myself to just think, oh, the boss, the positive, you know, they stay out the way, the good players will be all right. Mm. Because that, the amount of games players playing don't get any knocks. It's just that your mind worries yeah. because obviously the team's doing so well. But one day to go and then it's back to yeah, it's back it's to football, isn't it? As, as we record. Um, it is the Mayside Derby, Saturday. Hopefully we get those players back. They should all be now on the way. You Well, soon enough they should be all on the way back. We've had good news that Seamus Coleman looks like he's fit, Alan's fit, um, Andre, Gomez. Andre Gomez is fit, so that's all really, really positive. Hopefully all those, obviously Yeremina. I watched Ben Godfrey last night as well for the 21s, played all right, yeah. they beat Turkey yeah. 2-1. So. But just before we get into just having a little preview of it, I mean, you, you two lads are a lot younger than we are, a, a lot younger than Baz. Um, hey, right. <laughs> Don't be trying to wash your hands at that, you. Same decades, so behave yourself. I was born in the 70s, not the 60s. So I was born in um, the 70s as well, lad. <laughs> there you go. So, lads, just, just, just to make everyone feel miserable, what are you, you know, start with you, Cam. What's, what's, what's your best memory that you can remember of a Merseyside derby? All of you, have you ever been at Goodison for a Merseyside derby win? Uh, at Goodison for a win? No, I was at, I was at, uh... A derby though, we got beat 3-1, uh, Suarez, Andy Carroll scored that day, uh, Rodwell got sent off, or it was 3-0, sorry, um, we, were, we were actually over because we, we were, oh 2-0, sorry, um, we were over, my my dad's ashes are, are in the stadium and we were we were putting them into the ground that day after the game, so I was hoping that that would give us, uh, I don't know, a, a positive experience, but unfortunately it wasn't to be um, with the ref. Uh, Tim Howard said the penalty again. That's what I was thinking that it was three 0 But um, just on the the best memory I have is probably when we beat we beat them with AJ scoring the two goals and Tim Carroll getting the, the other one. Because um, what happened was we were all in my house. My my dad, my uncle, my brother, my cousin, me, all of us there in our Everton tops watching the game. And then obviously when Carsey took the shot and then the keeper saves it and Johnson comes in to make it three one. Then one of my mates had called up. It was only about I was only about fifteen or sixteen, and one of my mates had called up to the house, and he just got in just before Johnson scored the, the last goal, and the house just went nuts. Uh, like everything was getting thrown all over the place, and my mate didn't know what to do. The whole family there it was, it was probably my best memory, and then probably the best memory with my dad. It was probably the uh, sorry the Dan Gosling, not Ryan Gosling goal um, in the FA Cup. That's probably my, my last memory with him in terms of a, of a derby. And it was a great one to have, obviously, that win. And it just meant so much. Two of us were jumping around his bedroom, uh, going absolutely crazy. And we actually were able to see it again because I know a lot of people had a, a an ad break or something because it was on ITV or something. There was an ad break or something like that. We actually got to see the goal. So we were, the house was going nuts. And then the only recent one I could think of is the one where Arteta scored and Cahill scored um, and that's that's the only recent one and I was watching that in a house full of cockboys and I was the one parading around the house so they're my three best I suppose you, you could say but they're few and far between you know yeah it's mad to think the last one hitting the post was like what was it eight minutes to go 
It's from Davis, oh, yeah. I imagine if that had gone in and it had been Tom as well, that would have been absolutely mad. But um, Saturday's going to be interesting though, isn't it? Because obviously we're top of the league. You know, We don't like talking about it, but we're top of the league. Um, they've cut, they'll be coming off the back of a 7-2 defeat. I mean, again, don't really want to go in too much about that. <laughs> She'll have been eight. But um, it makes it really, really difficult to know what's going to happen because in the last few, we've defended really well. We've played very much a low block and allowed no space behind us for Liverpool to run into. And it's worked. And obviously, they've only beaten us once at home in nine years, nine years, something like that. So that was a 95th minute when they won it. Don't remind me. So it's going to be a very open derby. No fans there. They're going to be looking to be a little bit tighter. Look to put the you know sort out the the wrongs of the last game, and we're going to try and have a go at them. And that that makes it a very very open Merseyside derby, which terrifies me. That's if we play like that. We're assuming we're just going to play the way we have been. But don't forget, Ancelotti's an Italian tactician, mm. and his Napoli team done very well against Liverpool. You know, they had four games against them over two seasons. He won two, draw them one. He only lost one, and the one he lost, he shouldn't have lost either. Allison made two worldies to, to deny them a draw. So he's, you know, he's. I know the lads here. You know, when you speak to them, it's like Ancelotti's got our number. You know, you know they've got a real worry about it. And if you look at what he did last season with that, you know, they were on a, they were running, flying. We were all terrified they were going to come to Goodison and beat us, and that'd be the derby. You know, that'd be the, the basically put one hand on the trophy that night and all that. And we went out and you know we had a brilliant game plan, and we should have won it at the end. Tom yeah. hits the post, Richarlison and as Allison makes a great save from Dominic Calvert-Lewin heads one wide which he should have scored off mm-hmm. a corner flicked on and I think they only really had a Firmino shot early on and, a, and a Trent Alexander-Arnold free kick and that was it mm-hmm. you know we really nullified them and, and broke on, the, on them in the last 20, 15, 20 minutes so we were close then and Dom's right uh, Cam's right Dom missed a chance in one Tosin missed one yeah. Bernard was a, a, a mid-east yeah. Widgey away from scoring as well at the end. So we could have won it in the past. Saturday, Saturday will be... They've gone off their strongest team. Their strongest team's available, apart from the goalkeeper. And the goalkeeper's an issue for them. Yeah. And, the, and while the goalkeeper's an issue for them, defensively, they won't be as strong as they are. So we know, and we know this Everton team's averaging three goals a game at the minute. So that's a good opportunity. The flip side of that is they're brilliant going forward, and we know that. So, I think he'll be a little bit more cautious. Mm. It wouldn't surprise me if we change the way we're playing slightly and and play just basically play a four-five-one, mm. and then just look to pick them off at times. See, give them the ball and try to play on the counter. We did it with Brighton. I know it's it's a mm. different world, but we did it with Brighton. We just let them off the ball and pick them off. It'd be interesting to see how they yeah. approach it because what Villa found with them was running at Trent Alexander-Arnold, them playing such a high line. Villa caught them out. So it will be interesting just to see how both of them, if, if they're both a little bit cagey, then it, we might see the kind of games we've seen which have been I mean, 3 nil nils in the last three years at Goodison. Yeah. So it's our time now, surely. <laughs> with you a win, aren't we? The longest period in my lifetime that we haven't beat them for mm. 10 years. Yeah. Cam, are you optimistic? Do you 
think we've got obviously the 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 right team now, and and it's the right circumstances to 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 take this Liverpool team apart. Yeah, I mean, on that, you know, there's obviously a new confidence about the team. There seems to be a new mentality switch. The players are playing with every confidence, and I'm. Happy now that we've got players in like James Rodriguez, Alan, who who won't fear playing against Liverpool. You know, Alan played against Liverpool in the Champions League last year. James Rodriguez has played in World Cup, you know, quarterfinals. He's World Cup uh, Golden Boot winner. He's played for Real Madrid at the highest level. He won't be afraid to come and play at Goodison Park against Liverpool. So, you know, I, I think if we can get that result on Saturday, it'll be massive. But like I said, not many over the years, but there have been a couple that stick out. Certainly from when I was a, a kid, which I'm... I'm sort of, I'd, I'd rather them have been when I was younger than now. Although I'd rather them be now because it's more recent, but I don't think I could have taken the, some of the results that we've seen in recent years when I was a kid. I just don't think I could have taken it. So I was happy to see the wins then and, and the joy then. If we turn up and we just do what we've been doing and we exploit their weaknesses, then I think we've got a fantastic chance of, of winning this game. And, you know, if we win this game, it's, it's a massive, massive statement. We've, you know, it, it does my head in this season when you listen to other football fans saying, yeah, but who have Everton played? You haven't played this team. You haven't played. Well, we've played a team that battered Manchester United at their ground. We played a team that should have beat Manchester United. We played the Spurs team, who not many teams will beat this season and beat them away from home. Not only did we beat them, we've done it comfortably as well. We've played, you know, a West Brom team who put three past Chelsea and embarrassed them in the first half. So we mightn't have played these top six clubs or however you want to brand that other than Spurs, but we're playing the clubs that have beaten those sides or that have given those sides games. Absolutely walked West Ham off the park. We met, we brought them into the game and just went bish, bash, bosh, see you later. They embarrassed Leicester and Wolves this season so far. It were two teams that people said they'll be challenging this season. So we can go out on Saturday and we can do the same thing and we can come in with a, with a completely fit squad and we just play how we've been playing. And that's where my confidence comes from. We've got players now like Alan, who's used to playing in big games. He's played against Liverpool, played at Anfield. I know this is a good one, but played at, against a, a, you know, a full Anfield. Wasn't asked, just done what he does. Play, you know, James Rodriguez played at the highest level. Will step in. Carlo Ancelotti, a manager that's won Champions League finals, and equally, as he'll tell you, lost Champions League finals. He knows what it's like to play in big games. So, I think as Evertonians, we just have to be confident going into. Obviously, it's a derby, so there is a little bit of you that's like uh, a bit of dread. But this is the best position we've been in going into a derby in my lifetime, anyway. And something Cam touched on there. We obviously. Four out of four in the Premier League. A lot of people will be looking at us in this game thinking, this is Everton's real first test. Um, and, you know, we all want to see them fail. But it it is our... I know Cam mentioned Spurs there and lot can happen on the first day of the season. But this is that real test for us, isn't it? And is, you know, are you, are you hopeful that we can get over it? And if we do get over it, you know, if we get a positive result out of this, will you start looking at this team thinking... We, we could do something this season. Yeah, well, I think I think the best thing about us this, this season is the fact that even if you're looking on both sides now, we have a threat, whereas if you kind of nullified our left-hand side with Dean and Richarlison, that was pretty much us. You know, we, we didn't really have any other options. Our midfield was, a you know, a black hole that nothing would come through. So we, we actually have the options now with Hammers on one side, Richarlison on the other, and obviously Dom down through the middle now. Um, so... I think we do look threatening. Seamus Coleman has, you know, gone back up levels. Maybe that's from playing with James or having someone to actually cover him uh, if he goes forward. I think he's he's 
confident that he has the protection now to cover him going forward. Luca Dean, we know, you know, he always has a good game. I, I, I very rarely see him play poorly. And the, the thing I liked as well about what Carlo did at the start of the season is he, he told the players to go away, come back with a different mentality. And they've shown that so far. But I think this game will be key to their mentality because we know how much there's been a like a, a mental block playing these. You know, there's no fans there this time. I appreciate that. But I think the last couple of times we played them, we have been good defensively. I think Seamus Coleman, and I'm not being biased here, but I think he's kept Mane quiet the last couple of games we've played him. I hope if he is playing that he can continue to do that this time. I think Luca Dean keeps Salah quiet as well. So I think if we can keep those players quiet, they're without their keeper this time around as well, which will be a huge boost for us because, you know, I, I go back to the game where Andre Gomez played um, unbelievable against them and nearly scored the header. I think Alisson made the save for that. I think another keeper maybe would have let that in. But I think we should be very optimistic going into this game, and I never am, but I think this time around I feel a bit more confident. Just maybe it's because the manager we have, and, you know, he's used to these big games, and I think he'll have a better approach than any of our previous managers. You know, to go out there and play the way we can. There's no fans being on our back, which I think would be an advantage. Well, obviously, in our case, it's the Goodison, so they wouldn't be on our back. But you know what I mean? I think there's nothing there to scare the players. It's a, it's 11 v 11 out there this time around. And we should have, I think, the capabilities to go out there. We do have players like Alan, the Corey, that energy in midfield. Yeah, I think it will be interesting, but I think you said mentioned there about I think we will I think maybe in the sec second half if we're doing well you might then mix it up but uh, definitely optimistic going in here if we win this game I think it does send out a huge message to the rest of the league that we are serious my only issue after this game is are we a little bit loyal if we don't get someone in I'm hoping that we still will get someone in just to kind of add to our team up front because I'm really happy with the team that we have. But if you're talking like a Wobies and stuff like that, for me, he just doesn't cut it. So I would like to add another player maybe in there just to give us that little bit of an edge. But as far as the rest of the squad, I'm very happy. We've got Godfrey in there for cover for Seamus as well. Uh, if we need to, obviously, with John Joe out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. The, oh, my only worry would be, and I think we're probably all in the same boat here, is Pickford in goal. He... Spend, like we spend more time talking about him making you know fuck ups for us, and it's cost us game. He's becoming more of a focal point every single game. Even if we we're winning, like we did at Brighton, he was the focal point because he made a mistake, or you know in other games he's made mistakes. Um, so I'm just hoping that he can have a good game. Maybe he'll come back in off international duty in, in good form. But yeah, I think it'll be key battles all over the place. But I'm I'm optimistic, yes. Yeah, you, and you know, you know what what you've just said there about Jordan Pick for this. This is if you're going to become a hero, if you want to become a hero, if you want to get back in the good box with Evertonians, this is the game to do it. You know, if he has a really good game on Saturday and and clean sheet, clean please. sheet makes you know. To be honest, the he didn't make have to make any saves, but if he did make a couple of big saves, then he gets back in the Everton fans' good books straight away. So let's hope he can do that, but. It's it's obviously a massive game, Baz. Are you are you are you looking are you looking forward to it? Are you confident? No. Okay. Uh, no, and no. Like, what I would say is, I'm not looking forward to it because I don't ever look forward to a derby, mm -hmm. and I'm glad it's at half twelve because it'll be done at half two. We don't have to spend all day or all weekend stewing over it yeah. for uh, when the games come. But what I will say is just nearly to echo what the lads have said there. 
for the first time in a while, I actually feel like we've got a team that could score goals past yeah. them, like hurt, like properly yeah, yeah. hurt them. Like I could say, it wouldn't surprise me if Everton put three past them at the weekend. Not at all. The, the obviously the flip side of that is they are still a fab. They're yeah, the champions. Yeah. They're an they're an amazing football team, but the air of invincibility has been dragged away from them by that Aston Villa result. Mm. And when you look over, say, the last 10 Premier League games, City put five, pa- well, should have been five, one was this allowed. Yeah, yeah. Arsenal beat them. Arsenal have beat them and they've gone there and drew in the league and in the cup and beat them. And they've lost some of them yeah, games. Yeah. Watford beat them 3-0. They're a great team. But if you take your chances, they're a team. And with the keeper, if Alisson was in, it obviously yeah, yeah. is a harder job again. But I think they'll be a little bit wary because of the goals they've let in. I, I just think, just to finish off, I think we could play defensively and still score goals. Easily, yeah. Because I think now that's the difference in this Everton team is that we've got, we can defend when we need to mm. and we can counter-attack. I think mm. we showed that in the second half against Brighton and I know it was only Brighton, completely different kettle of fish to Liverpool. But I think we can give them the ball, sit deep, soak it up and then hit them no, on the break. break. So I think that might be what we'll be looking for. Listen, it's been absolutely fantastic to have Cam and Paul on the podcast for the first time. They've been fantastic as well. We'll be getting them on more. They're doing shows for us as well. So they've got to be good, lads. Lads, pressure on you too. And shows. they've both got their own channel. That, that's what I'm saying. They've got their own channel. Cam has got the Mighty Blues. Paul has got Irish Fan Football Fan TV. The links will be in the descriptions for them as well. So make sure to check them out. Lads, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Cheers for having me. Really enjoyed it. Hopefully be back on soon. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'll be on anytime you need me. Cheers, guys. And uh, the podcast will be back next week when hopefully we'll be dead happy. See you then.